I love this gospel. I just love it. It's, it's, we could do a two-hour Bible study on this, and I have to shorten my sermon today, which is probably good news to you, but um, it's really hard because there's so much just in this lesson alone, not to mention so much in our service. But what's more relaxing uh, sometimes when you're really stressed than sitting in a rowboat on a warm summer day in northern Minnesota? <laughs> I find that would be the idyllic place to be seated. Uh, with a tub of worms for your hook right by your side on the seat and knowing just where the sunfish are biting. That's how I grew up, vacationing with my family. It was mainly my dad and my Uncle Ted who taught me how to fish, where to find those right-looking reeds, the skinny ones that uh, attract them, and uh, the depth that you should be, and how to clean those sunnies when you get home to the cabin for tasty lunches. Oh, the stories and the jokes we'd tell while we were bobbing out there in the rowboat with crazy baits that we would try over time, enticing nibbles to come on our drop lines. We found, actually, red licorice candy works very well for sunfish. Lots of great relaxation, fond memories formed out on the water. I imagine that's why Peter, in this morning's gospel, also wanted to go back out on the water, to go fishing one more time. He needed, he needed desperately to be good at something again. Oh my, to find peace. He'd been kicking himself around for days and days, self-loathing. He needed the open sea to clear his head. It had been a heartbreaking series of days. You know, Jesus had been arrested. There had been the trial. The disciples' hopes and dreams had tanked for a powerful new administration under Jesus' leadership. It didn't seem possible. Instead, Peter felt like a failure now. He'd promised Jesus never to give up on his mission. He would always be there, the rock. But as soon as Jesus had been arrested in Jerusalem, Peter three times denied knowing the man. He did not step up to the plate. And at that Jerusalem uh, denial, it was in the back alleyway at a campfire where this happened. I wonder if you can connect the dots of what the gospel writer John is doing this morning. As soon as Peter had denied Jesus, he ran away and hid, afraid he'd been thinking only of himself. And then Jesus was tortured and died on the cross. Add to that a couple of mind-boggling appearances now of the risen Jesus, just like he said, and his empty tomb. Well, to top off Peter's broken heart, the experienced fishermen now, who had been out fishing all day and night, were skunked. This was what he did for a living, mind you. He wanted to get some self-esteem back, and he caught not one fish. Another downer. Until some strange man out on the beach yells, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. Oh, okay. And they do. Ta-da! 153 fish. Now, we can go into a lot of Bible study about who on earth sat and counted 153 fish and why. 
And what's the significance? And what does it mean? Well, we're just going to say it meant it was an abundant catch. It was huge. And so they'd gone from nothingness to abundance, and Jesus had returned to be with them. They recognized Jesus on the shore when they came closer. And there he was, listen for it, with a campfire built on the beach, where three times he asks Peter, do you love me, Simon, son of John? And Peter is given a chance to redeem himself now from the former denials and restore the loving relationship and the future promise he felt that he had had once upon a time and entirely lost with Jesus a few days back. Don't we have those moments in our daily lives, too, when we call ourselves Christians, we sometimes, however, are embarrassed or afraid to step up and share our faith, to acknowledge our Christian beliefs, and to reach out to somebody who's being bullied or put down? Sometimes don't we remain silent rather than share our real opinion on a human rights issue because we don't think our friends are going to agree with us and it'll just be a hassle? Sometimes if the servant role is asked, we'll have to kind of assess our free time on the weekend, and if it's really going to cramp our style, what we had to do, which was going to be more fun, perhaps, or take us into uncharted territory. Sometimes Jesus asks that a lot of times. To go into some place we have no experience, no expertise, and so we hang back. I don't know how to do that. Exactly, says Jesus. That's why I'm here. I'm going to show you. And when I show you, there will be abundance. 153 fish will come when you do it the way I ask of you. Do we truly trust the abundance that comes, sometimes with putting ourselves on the line? People of Upper Dublin, Christ asks this morning, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. We have Wonderful ministries this morning that uh, we're giving to, especially for our flea market, a ministry this morning, uh, Bags of Hope. You'll hear about it soon. What a wonderful way to get involved in feeding and tending our lambs, Jesus' sheep, in human trafficking. And, you're, you know, there's hope for all of us on the beach, standing with Peter. Peter still, after all of that with Jesus, is not without weaknesses. He's not without uh, faults, and he will tank again along the journey. But as Austin Crenshaw Shelley, a Christian ed director at the Presbyterian Church in Chestnut Hill, he says, Jesus doesn't seem interested in erasing or fixing Peter's brokenness. Instead, a broken Jesus feeds a broken Peter and commissions him to respond by extending Jesus' sustenance to others. Feed my sheep. None of this escapes, none of us escapes life unbroken. Yet God sustains us and calls us to be about God's work because we are not perfect. God loves us anyway, not just in spite of our brokenness, but because of it. 
We Lutherans like to call it God's grace upon grace, unearned favor and love. So Jesus recommissions, gracefully recommissions his former fisherman, Peter. The broken, afraid, self-concerned, erratic Peter, who couldn't be counted on, he is the one Jesus picks to become the great leader of the missionary movement by saying, Simon, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. In other words, if you love me, serve my people, share my story, give of yourself as I have given to the world. This is your new calling, your new mission, your role in building the church. And if you follow me, and if you trust me, there will be abundance. Abundance, and you will build a community, my church, to join you in the serving. And that's just what Peter eventually did. But Jesus also concludes his call to Peter with an awesome truth. That last paragraph in the gospel is a little bit confusing. And if this is what it means in everyday language... The day will come as the leader of this radical movement you're involved in, says Jesus, when you will face what I did. Persecution, suffering, and even death. Even death on a cross. And as you may know, history said that eventually Peter, maybe some 30 years hence, would be crucified. But he didn't feel worthy enough to be crucified upright as his Lord and Savior Jesus had been. So he asked them to crucify him upside down. I can't imagine what it was like. But Peter's effort to share Christ and to build his church were amazing and fruitful. And today we also hear many stories in our congregation of our outreach ministries at Upper Dublin and how offering time and talent and serving Christ enriches our lives and strengthens our faith. Do you want to be happy? There's a song, Do You Want to Be Happy for the Rest of Your Life? I won't go into the next lyric if you remember it, but that, that will date us. But anyway, uh, if you want to be happy and fulfilled, many, many studies have been written on this. There has two things you need. One, Belong to a community. Belong to a community where you feel you have a place where you're affirmed and you're, you're given uh, sustenance. And second, believe that what you are doing makes a difference in the world and in people's lives. Believe you're making a difference in people's lives, and especially if it costs you something, seems to make us happier in the long run. And know that even if it costs us, God has our back. And God, the risen Lord, will be with us always to give us hope. So in keeping with our Volunteer Sunday, I want to just end with a few words of encouragement from a Carmelite nun from the 1500s, Teresa of Avila. She wrote, Christ has no body but ours. Christ has no feet on earth but ours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, the compassion on this world. Amen.